<laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm just excited with what God is doing. Amen. I, I really wrestled last night in my sleep. And, um, and I woke up a little, a little bit disturbed. But I, I just felt like the enemy trying to attack because he realizes that uh, God really wants to do something today. Amen. And he can if we allow him to. I said, if we allow him to. I'm going to say it again. If we allow him to. Jesus went to several cities where the Bible says he was unable to do many miracles, to do great things for them because of their unbelief. Amen. If there's anything that will stop us today, it will be unbelief. Amen. I believe there's a God. Praise the Lord. I believe he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and that he rose again. This we believe. And I was just reading uh, an article in the paper, uh, or not in the paper, but on the news, on, on the internet, of a, one of the leading uh, physicists has just declared that he believes there is a God. Hallelujah. <laughs> and um, he said, because... The more we learn, the more we understand that there's so much order to the universe. He said it could be, this universe could be very dark and chaotic. But he said there is so much order to it that all of this order just could not happen by chance. There's got to be an intelligent design behind our existence. Amen. And of course, we know, we know that, but it's glad to see science catching up. Praise God. And um, we think often today in what we call the age of enlightenment, and that kind of hit around 1600s and all this, where science began to take over that it's hard for us to believe in a resurrection, that anything like this could actually happen. And, and we think that the people before this and the time of Christ and that and Romans and, and that were superstitious and, and often believed that these things could happen. But, but even to many of them and their writers even back then did not believe that a resurrection could happen. Amen. And it is the one thing that sets Christianity apart from all the other religions is that we believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. The tomb is empty. He's not there. And, and so it separates us. And this we believe. And if we don't have hope of a resurrection, then we are of men most miserable. Praise God. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. And I have a lengthy reading so you, you, you can remain seated. I'm going to read through verse 11 here. Out of the King James Version, I'm reading. 
It says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex or persecute certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to further take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto our God for him. Everybody say prayer has power. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out, and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came into an iron gate that leadeth into the city which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Amen. If I could have a little more monitor, please. I title this, After Easter Intentions. Everybody say, After Easter Intentions. In 1914, during the First World War in Europe, the Germans were on one side of the trench, and the English were on the other side in a trench. It was Christmas time, and the fighting stopped for this holy day we call Christmas. Now, I know we're celebrating Easter. I'm not lost. I'm, I'm not that old yet. In fact, they made a movie on this very story I'm about to tell you. And the Germans started to sing Christmas carols in German. And the British began to sing back to them in English. And the fighting stopped. And both sides for this day 
came out of the trenches. They shook hands. They exchanged gifts. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And you're having problems? And they sang together. They sang songs together. But the sad thing is, with the intention of continuing the killing the next day. They stopped the senseless killing for one day to observe a holy day called Christmas at that time only to continue killing the next day. In other words, what I'm telling you today, and you that have come to church on Easter, is that the change was only temporary. The shaking hands and the being friends was only for one day. And the intention was the next day to start killing again. God help us. Amen. And for you that have come on Easter, on this holy day of what Christians believe is a holy day or what we celebrate, amen. Some call it Resurrection Sunday because it represents the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And maybe your intention is just to come this day and then to continue on the way you normally live after today. I want to challenge that today. Can you shout praise the Lord? Herod had taken James, the brother of John, and murdered him with the sword. James was a Christian in the church in Jerusalem and a leader. And, and Herod saw that it pleased the Jews. And as politicians do, they like to do things that please the people. And so he thought, well, James is a Christian, and I killed him, and it made the Jews happy. And I think I'll go ahead and do the same to Peter. And so he, he took Peter, and he intended to kill him, except the Bible says it was a holy day. The day of unleavened bread. And so Herod thought to himself that it would not be good to execute anyone on a holy day. I remember one year mom was staying with us and boy her head perked up there. She was looking down. Boy she just looked right up at me. I said mom. <laughs> and it was a Sunday night and our garbage man came on Monday or it was a Sunday and our garbage came on Monday and it happened to be Easter Sunday and I thought well I'll go ahead and get the garbage out early that way I won't forget on Monday to take it out and and mom saw I had taken the garbage out and you know once a mom always a mom 
young people, once a mom, always a mom. And you listen to your mom. Everybody say amen. And I, I went in the house. Now, mind you, I've got my own daughter, and I'm a grown man, and she's in my house, and she says, Andy, she says, it's Easter. She said, don't put the garbage out on Easter. And so what did I do? I went out and brought the garbage back in. Because <laughs> it was a holy day. That, we all do it. There's just certain things we don't do on days that we consider very important. Can you say amen to that? And, and, and so it's no great thing that Herod thought, oh, on this holy day of unleavened bread, I'm not going to, it wouldn't be good. It, it just wouldn't be good to put Peter to death on this holy day. He wouldn't want to do something that he thought the Jews would like and then make a mistake and cause them not to like him because he did it on a holy day. So he thought he would take a break. Everybody say a break from murdering preachers. But only for a holy day. It would have been good if he took a break forever, right? And, but he figured he would resume his persecution after the holy days. In other words, his intention was not to change his course, but only to take a break. But thank God for a praying church and a divine intervention because God sent his angel to deliver Peter, amen, and Herod could not continue his killing. Can you shout amen? And I'm here to tell you that most of us in this place, for us to really change permanently, will need a divine intervention. Come on, some of you don't believe me, but you're going to need a divine intervention. Most of you will need a divine intervention for you to really change the course of your life. Amen. It's going to take something to happen. Praise God. In other words, the doctor's going to have to tell you, you got six months to live before you decide to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's going to take something, oftentimes, to wake you up to cause the change to be permanent. Unfortunately, most of us only take off for a little while to continue our course of action afterwards. Can you say amen? How many have lost? And I can remember losing the people that were, died in my graduating class. All of them died from drinking and driving as young men. And I can remember those that, that, would, that would happen, and they would say, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. And the kids talking among themselves, we're not going to do this anymore, only to take a little break from it and then to continue later on to do it. Come on, somebody. Amen. I, I don't know, Tony, if I, if I told you this, but as a young boy, I had, I had intentions of living life my way. And I know you did too. <laughs> and most of us did. We're like Frank Sinatra. 
I did it my way. Isn't that song how that song goes? I can't remember the words. I just can't remember the words. My, my, my wife was picking on me Wednesday. I went to lead a song, and I couldn't remember the words to it. And she said, you didn't remember the words of that song, did you? I said, no. But what, I said, just like I tell them, if you don't remember the words, you start singing something, then just start worshiping. Just start worshiping. Can you say, pray? we all need a Holy Ghost breakdown every once in a while. Just start worshiping. We don't forget how to worship, do we? But we want to live, I want to live life my way. But I had this silly thought, Tony. I thought, I thought, you know, I was a, a kid, 13 years old, and I had already started to smoke. I had already started to sneak around drink, and, and I had already tried a few other things. And, and, and I thought, I thought, when I'm 18, I will have lived my life and done everything I want. And about 18, I'll give my life over to God. You know, I had that, that thought, you know, that, I don't know, I just thought by the time he was 18, you were old. But, what I, but I, what I didn't know at the age of 13, Tony, was, was that I'd get a chance to stay with my grandpa for two weeks in West Virginia. Don't say anything bad about West Virginia. Right, Brother Allen? <laughs> Amen. And, and, I, and, I, and I didn't realize that that, that would be a different, but I knew something about my grandpa. I, I knew he was a religious man. And that you didn't drink at his house, you didn't smoke at his house, you didn't curse at his house. And they prayed before they ate dinner. And then he'd read the Bible on the front porch to you, and he'd talk about God. So I knew for two weeks, this is what I was going to get. And I thought, I could take that for two weeks. And I think I could be good for two weeks. I'll take a little break. I need a little break from the way I'm living. And, and so I went, and I, and, I, and I went there with all the intentions of staying two weeks. And then once I got back home, it was party on. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I would just continue. I'd take a little break and, and continue. Now, let me tell you, parents, what helped me to respect my grandfather was that I never, everybody say never, I never heard my mom or dad ever say an ill word against my grandma and grandpa. And even though they were not living for God, they always respected him and his home and, and those things. And because they did that, when I went there, I knew I needed to respect where I was at. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Be careful that you don't run the church down. Be careful that you don't run the preacher down. Be careful that you don't run that one that maybe is close to your family that's trying to live for God because you may need them one day to reach your kid. Somebody shout amen. You may not like it, but it's the truth. And what I intended to take a break from, my intentions was just to go back to the usual way I lived once I got back home. But when I was taken to a Pentecostal church. Now, I, I'm going to tell you something. There's some, you know, I don't want anybody to sue this church. 
And if we're going to call ourselves Pentecostal, we better act like it. Because I don't want us to get sued for false advertisement. And there's one thing about Pentecostals. They're not afraid to worship God. They're not afraid to clap their hands. They're not afraid to stand. They're not afraid to dance in the aisles. They're not afraid to, to just let it go, if you please. And when he took me to a Pentecostal church, and I saw that the people worshiped God, it made an impact in my little life. Amen. And I thought, whoa, these people actually have some fun in church. These people actually enjoy living for God. Every example I'd ever seen was, you know, if you were religious, you were miserable or, you know, so pious you couldn't have fun and, 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 and all of that. But here I'm, I'm there's a, something's happening in my life, and I'm seeing these. In fact, they were so country, Brother Allen. You know, one half the church clapped on one beat, the other, church of the, the other half of the church clapped on the other beat. And I mean, but it was a joyful noise unto the Lord. And you felt the joy of the Lord. Can somebody shout? Amen. Hallelujah. What happened to me, Tony? I had a divine intervention in my life. God got a hold of my life in that little Pentecostal church. Amen. And what I thought would only last for two weeks, 40 years later, I'm still living for God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You still love living for God today. Would you stand? Praise God. You still love? Clap your hands and worship the Lord. And thank him for a divine intervention in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that somebody reached out. <laughs> Whew. To a 13, you may be seated, to a 13-year-old rebellious little boy, somebody cared enough to reach out. That's what we were doing Friday, wasn't it, Sister Tina? Reaching out to neighborhood kids that maybe nobody cares about. But there's a church that says, God can change your life. And who knows the course and direction that can be changed. Hallelujah. I got back home, Tony, and I don't know if this happened to you, but Sorry to pick on you, but uh, you're sitting on front row. I was told, we'll give Andy three months. He'll be back to normal. <laughs> it's just a little intervention, you know, a little something that he'll change and, and he'll be back to his old self. Praise God. But thank you, Jesus. I don't want it just to be like Herod, just a holy day I observe and then go back to live in the same way I lived before. I'm sure Moses at the age of 80 wasn't intending on changing, but one day he had a divine intervention. Amen. And he couldn't go back to shepherding. His experience at the burning bush changed the course of his life. I'm here to tell you that divine intervention doesn't have to be negative. It can be positive. Oftentimes it can be negative in the sense that it causes you to, to wake up 
again it could be an illness it could be the loss of a loved one or the sickness of a loved one that causes you to realize that you're not going to be permanently on this earth but that divine intervention when it comes you've got to be wise enough to know amen that this is not something that should be temporary but it's got to be something that needs to be permanent in my life praise the lord and the question to ask today is, have you come this Easter morning only to observe a holy day? Only to make mama happy or daddy happy? Only to, because you've got Easter dinner today or, or something like that? Or have you come because you know that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead? Praise God! Have you come just to observe a holy day and then when you get back home, you go back to the same old lifestyle? Or are you allowing God to intervene in your life? Will you allow him to intervene in your life and change you? Did the, can I ask you a question? Did you come this morning in this service just to be charged? Or to be changed? Everybody say, change me, Lord. God's not going to judge this service on how loud we get. God's not going to judge this service on how good the music was. God's going to judge this on how changed we are when we leave. Amen. A new convert was asked, how did Jesus change the water into wine? He said, I don't know. But I know how God changed beer into food. In other words, since God had changed me, I don't buy beer anymore, which means I can afford to buy my groceries. Can you say amen? I'm talking about a divine intervention. I'm talking about a real change. It's a real change when, let me tell you, it's a real change when you leave the cigarettes on the altar. Oh, am I at a Pentecostal church? I don't know. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to find out. Am I, am I at the right place? I don't know. I mean, it's Easter Sunday, but do we have to be so sophisticated because it's Easter Sunday? <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'll tell you what, it's a divine intervention when you come to church and you repent of your sins and you go home and you get the whiskey bottle out and you pour it down the drain. Or when you get the drugs and you flush them down the toilet. Or your language changes and you quit cursing. Amen. You don't look the way you used to look. You don't talk the way you used to talk. You don't live the way you used to live because it's a divine intervention. I'm about wore out. You guys, you guys are wearing me out. I thought you'd stand on that one, praise God. I'll tell you what, there's not enough change going on. There's enough observing a holy day going, but there ain't enough change going on. Praise God. I want a church that preaches me to change. Can I tell you something? If you don't feel conviction in the preaching every once in a while, you're going to the wrong church. 
Preaching is designed to bring conviction. Preaching is designed to prick your conscience. Preaching is designed to get you to change the way you live. Hallelujah. To get closer to Jesus. To get further from the world, but closer to Jesus. Preach to me, somebody. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord. We need a divine intervention. We need a divine intervention. We need a divine intervention. Don't make God send something our way. Let's say, God, we know you need. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33. Let me read this. I'm almost through here. But in Ezekiel chapter 33, I want you to hear something very powerful, very powerful passage of Scripture in verses 30 and 32. God speaking to Ezekiel tells him this. He says, Also thou son of man, the children of thy people are still talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak to one another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh from the Lord. Let's go to church, in other words. Let's go to that service, in other words. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Next verse. Amen. Is that the next one? Yes. Uh, my, I don't have my glasses on. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well or an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. We got to be careful that church just doesn't entertain us. And I'm not against order, and I'm not against nice music and good preaching and, and all of that and the fun that we have. I am for that. But we got to make sure there's too many entertainment churches. And I'll tell you what, what I'm talking about because there's no change. That we're entertained, but we're not changed. God help us. A good church service is when people leave changed. They come prejudiced, but they don't leave prejudiced. They come with hatred, but they leave with love. They come with addictions, but they, they leave delivered. Can you say praise the Lord? They come as unbelievers, but they leave believers. I'm telling you, that's good church. 
We've all needed a divine intervention in our lives. But salvation comes to those who are willing to change. Not be like those of Ezekiel that say, oh yeah, I love church. I love going. And how many have we seen on our jobs and you know, they go to this church and they go to that church. I'm not running them down, you know, or the church is down. But I go, I go but you don't see any change in their life. They curse like everybody else. They lust like everybody else. They go out and party like everybody else. Honey, that's not church. That's not change. Change comes to those. I mean, salvation comes to those who are willing to change. I could use the word repent, but it means the same thing. Repent means change. A lot of people want to be saved. Now hear me. A lot of people want to be saved, but they don't want to change. I don't want to go back to the way I was. That's why Peter becomes Cephas. Saul becomes Paul. And John Mark becomes profitable. Where he was like, he changed, you see. But Judas, who witnessed the divine... refused to change. And the Bible says he was a thief from the beginning. He had three years to change. He saw the miraculous. He experienced the divine. And in the end, he was still a thief. He stole from the bag. We ain't worried about how you come here. But we know the power of God is able to change you. Hallelujah! He's able to change you. I'm sure Judas felt conviction. I'm sure he was changed for a little while. But he never allowed God really change his heart. There's a difference. None of us are perfect. We're going to fall. But the difference is we get back up. We repent. We say, God, change me. I don't want to justify my sins. I want to repent of my sins. Amen. And I've asked you this morning if you'd stand with me. Yeah, we could dance about about the resurrection and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that's true. is good news. That's what the word means. Good news. But it's good news to those who believe. The Bible says to others, it's a river of death. To the unbeliever, it's really not good news. But to the believer, it is. 
And so, if we don't allow that change to come into our lives, don't wait till something happens. I believe God is in this place right now to intervene in your life right now. In fact, that conviction you feel is God's intervention. And the Bible says he's knocking on your heart's door because he's trying to change the course of your life. Don't let this just be a holy day that you don't, that you go back to what you were doing. You know, when they observe Lent, for 40 days they'll fast. They'll have Mardi Gras and they'll fulfill all the lusts of the flesh and then for 40 days, they'll, up till Easter, they, they, wait, they, don't, they don't do that stuff. But the next year, they're doing the same thing over again, fulfilling all that lust. Because their intention was never to really change permanently, just to take a break. God wants you more than just taking a break. He wants to change you permanently. And through the power of the Holy Ghost, he's able to do it if you want it. If you want it. How many want to change today? This altar's open to you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. More important than my Easter meal. More important than my, my nice dress clothes is me touching the throne of God today. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Oh, God. Church, will you just cry out to God? Will somebody just start praying? Oh, change me, Jesus. Change me, Jesus. Oh, if you just ask him to change, Lord. I'm tired of slipping back to the, my old self. I'm tired of slipping back to my old self, God. I want a genuine change, Lord. Hallelujah. I want a genuine change, Lord. Hallelujah. I don't want to be the man I was 20 years ago, God. I don't want to be the man I was last year, Lord. I want to be closer to you. Change me, Lord. Touch my attitude, God. I don't want this just to be another Easter that I just come on Easter, but I'm not changed, Lord. Hallelujah. But God, divine, I need a divine intervention, Lord. Hallelujah. Break through that veil of flesh. Break through that resistance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Satan is resisting some of you right now to change. You've got to break through it. You've got to push through it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need a change, God. I need a real change, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God. Change me, Lord.